Hi everyone, you are listening to Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40 with me, Nelly Thomas. This podcast is being recorded in the council area known as Maribyrnong in Melbourne. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. If you want to support the podcast and keep the lights on, please rate, review and subscribe to Dear Nelly Plus for bonus content every month. And for more information about all of that, see the show notes or go to nellythomas.com and follow the links. And look, one quick thing, this is a sex, dating and relationships podcast for adults. So if you don't like swearing, it's really going to give you the shits. Off you go. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, at this point, you're 10. Unless I am completely in the dark, you're not dating. I hope you're not dating. Well, <laughs> stop it. I've got something to tell you. <laughs> stop it. When you're older, you're like 45 and you start dating, what do you imagine dating would be like? Not happening. <laughs> Why not? Because I don't want to date when I'm older. I want a best friend to cuddle with. Oh. I could use some advice, dear Nelly. Yeah, some help would be nice, dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly. When you're 40 or more, dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we can talk it through. Hello and welcome to a free bonus episode of Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40. My name is Nelly Thomas and we are putting out a special bonus episode today for all of our listeners for Valentine's Day. Now this is a extra, 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 extra special episode because we are joined today by my 10-year-old daughter. Would you like to say hello? What's up? (laughs) Now, this is not her real name, but for the purposes of uh, internet privacy and security, we always use the name... Your mum. Stop it. (laughs) What do we call you on the internet? Florence. Florence. We do indeed call you Florence. So, 
So being a extra special episode, what we're going to do today is have a bit of a chat about Valentine's Day. And then I'm also going to play you some excerpts from bonus episodes one and two. Now to access the full episodes, the full bonus episodes of one and two, you will need to subscribe to Dear Nelly Plus. It's only five bucks a month, which over a whole year is what, $60 or something. So If you can afford it, I'd appreciate it. It helps me keep the lights on. Plus, you get lots and lots of bonus content. If you can't, perfectly fine. Just keep listening for free. All right. Dear Florence, can we do five-second rule? Tell me in five seconds everything you know about Valentine's Day. Go. Um, It's cliche. (laughs) What else? Um, It's very cliche. (laughs) <laughs> so it's cliche it's very cliche yeah. tell me what does firstly what does cliche mean and what is cliched about valentine's day um cliche means people do it too much so it doesn't get cool anymore yeah and what do you know about valentine's day what does it mean it's very cliche <laughs> it's the day for love it's the day for love. Now, do you think... And getting rejected by your crush. Oh, getting rejected by your crush. What does that mean? If you don't know what a crush, you shouldn't be watching this. <laughs> you shouldn't be listening to Dianelle if you don't know what a crush is. Now, I asked you um, to do a little bit of research uh, on Valentine's Day. What fun facts did you find out about Valentine's Day that we can share with our listeners? Um, Valentine's Day has its roots in an ancient pagan festival what does that mean i don't know i'm reading it off of google at this moment (laughs) okay so it's an ancient pagan festival how ancient are we talking what year did it originate 1300s in the 1300s so it's been around for a really long time has it always been buying boxes of chocolates and a single red rose in plastic which is an environmental disaster probably not no no (laughs) For me, Valentine's Day is the day in which I celebrate my arrival in Australia. And it was a move made with love and hope. And what I want for Valentine's Day is a good bottle of champagne and some friends and loved ones to share it with. What Valentine's Day means to me is the bastardization of a pretty gruesome historical story wrapped up in capitalist bullshit to convince people that they have to remain in heteronormative relationships that are probably destroying their soul. Hey Nelly, uh, I've been thinking about this long and hard and I think what Valentine's Day means to me is the feeling of all this extra pressure to be in love with my partner. Like somehow I have to be more lovable and loving on Valentine's Day or it will it will mean, you know, it will spell the end of my marriage. And to be honest, what I'd love for Valentine's Day is a huge carb-loaded dinner that makes us both far too bloated to even suggest sex and then stumble into bed for a 9pm bedtime. Also, Cupid, that little flying baby with a bow and arrow who's usually naked with wings, um, (laughs) its roots is Greek mythology, which makes sense because there's a lot of naked people with wings. 
<laughs> Indeed. And I appreciate the fact that you didn't make a joke about roots then because that would have been disgusting. <laughs> All right. What's our next fun fact, Florence? Not until the 1840s um, did we get the first mass-produced Valentines. Okay. So it didn't become like a commercial thing until the 1840s. How many years ago is the 1840s? Do you reckon you can work that out? Hmm. Questions, questions. It's 120. 183 roughly about 180 years old so it's actually quite a new festival in in historical terms and also nearly 250 million roses are grown in preparation for valentine's day each year she's it's a lot of roses it's a lot of roses and it's also a lot of plastic that is true Hello, this is Evie Jones. What does Valentine's Day mean to me? Shit all. Nothing. I've been single for, I think, about 95 years now. But even when I was with people, Valentine's Day, just in the bin. It's just such a marketing ploy of crapola as far as I'm concerned. Sorry to be so negative. Hi Nelly, it's Miles here. So I've been thinking about what Valentine's Day means to me and well, it doesn't mean much. And that's coming from the perspective of being in a 20 plus years relationship uh, as a cis gay man with another cis gay man and being a bit of a political lefty. You see, I really just see Valentine's Day as a tool of marketing for retailers and a way to spend money as a measure of your love. Uh, not only in the pressure to spend, but the marketing often relies on all sorts of schmaltzy coupledom, cringy public declarations and plenty of sexism, heterosexism and pushing gender stereotypes like the man making the first move. And then there's all the FOMO it exploits and setting folk up for dashed expectations. So I guess that's a bit of a bar humbug response. Uh, and I think a day to celebrate romantic love is all well and good if you're into it, but my goodness, pop culture pushes that an awful lot anyway. So I'd rather listen to your podcast and have some real talk on love, intimacy and relationships and what really matters for Valentine's Day. Thanks, Nelly. I'm loving the podcast. All right, hit me with another Valentine's Day fact. The colour of flower given on Valentine's Day holds meaning. So while a red rose has traditionally symbolised love, other colours like deep pink, purple or white, which symbolise happiness, royalty and sympathy respectively, may have been given on the holiday too. But definitely now it is associated with what colour? Red. Like if there was a picture of a love heart on a Valentine's Day ad, I feel like the background would either be pink or red, not like some weird color today americans spend a lot on love according to the national retail foundation americans spent over 20 billion dollars on valentine's day gifts in 2019 20 billion with a b 20 billion dollars on valentine's day what do you think would be a better way to spend 20 billion dollars um world hunger done mouths of babes all right yeah okay so what is the most common valentine's day gift or what's the one people spend the most money on jewelry 
jewelry so i don't know if i'd want jewelry for valentine's day if you did have a sweetheart and if you did actually believe in valentine's day and you could put it aside the commercial grotesqueness of it what would you like for valentine's day pokemon (laughs) pokemon cards straight up G'day Nelly, loving the new podcast. Here's what I have to say about Valentine's Day. By the way, it's Steve Allen speaking. Valentine's Day is a holiday that makes me cringe if I'm single and panic if I'm in a relationship. Personally, I'm not a big fan of holidays that come with a manual. And when it comes to romance, I reckon there's a line in a Billy Bragg song that pretty much sums me up. He sings, no amount of poetry will mend this broken heart but you can put the hoover around if you want to make a start. The hoover being a vacuum for those too young to remember. But on the other hand, and notwithstanding those who exploit Valentine's in a toxic way, I'm also aware that it's mostly a harmless bit of fun. So if I'm in a relationship with someone who has different views about Valentine's, I'm prepared to go with the flow. So with that being said, I have gone all out when I thought it was required. Cards, flowers, champagne, etc. And I've totally ignored it if I think my partner won't give a shit. And to be fair, I've gravitated towards the latter group of partners as I've grown older. And I reckon I like practical people with a decent dose of cynicism. So what have I got planned this year? A candlelit dinner, maybe? A box of chocolates that'll light up Instagram? Surprise salsa dancing lessons in a steamy bar? No, none of that. Some flowers in the morning and a dinner at our favourite local Italian joint. And maybe, just maybe, if the mood is right, I'll overcome my romantic reticence and remind her why I love her. Thanks, Nelly. Have a good one. Cheers. To me, Valentine's Day means appreciating my friends and family, even if I don't have a significant other. For Valentine's Day, I would like hugs. Hey, Nelly. Valentine's Day, hey? Well, you know me, I love a bit of history and I vote that we bring back the Vinegar Valentine. So the Vinegar Valentine was really popular in the 1900s, early 20th century. And basically, if someone was pissing you off, you could send them an anonymous Vinegar Valentine card and and just tell them what you thought of them. But it was anonymous. So just imagine getting this in the post and... And also imagine you've got a you you are a bit of a yes man at work. So uh, you get this. All you do is yes the boss. You good for nothing scamp. The way you lick around him, gee, you'd think he was a stamp. I mean that is just brilliant. And I say bring that back. It is the early form of uh, trolling, but. You know, sometimes sometimes you just need to. So I say bring the vinegar valentine back, shut down the soppy valentine because who wants to feel like a loser even more than they do on one day of the year? And, um, yeah, history wins again. Hmm, what does Valentine's Day mean to me? Well, I've been single about eight years now, on and off, casually dating, And to be honest, Valentine's Day doesn't do much for me anymore, probably because I'm single. But on the flip side, last year when I went to get a Valentine's Day meal for myself, which was a kebab, the guy at the kebab shop gave me free chips because he felt sorry for me. So, yeah, maybe that's what I'll do again. Go flirt with the kebab guy and see what he can bring. What Valentine's Day means to me. 
I know Valentine's Day is like a hallmark holiday and all, but when in a relationship it used to be a very special day um, to do all the roses and chocolates and cards and traditional stuff, go out to dinner. Um, But since being single it became a different celebration for me and now it's more about celebrating loved ones. And at the moment when I'm single it's my kids. So they get a card and they get a cookie and they usually get a book that I inscribe for them. And so Valentine's Day now, as an older, often single woman, um, is more about celebrating those ones in my life that I love that are always there, um, my kids. Um, And it's not the traditional Hallmark holiday for me anymore, um, but even now, relationship, a new one um, with my girlfriend, I think next week for Valentine's Day is going to be hanging around together and taking the dog to the vet, for example, so... Yeah, not such a special day because I think every day is about celebrating the ones we love, um, but I make sure it's a special day for my kids. Hey, so my name's Lauren, but I believe I may be better known um, in this circle as the lovely Lauren. Um, Hey, I've been um, thinking about Valentine's Day and had a special um, request by someone I'd actually like to call in. Yeah, so I'm one of those cranky moles who, you know, used to think that Valentine's is a commercial holiday designed not for love and appreciation, but just to uh, further embed capitalism into families and relationships. But I am willing to concede that as you get a little bit older, you uh, it's okay to reconsider and budge on your firmly held views of your youth or younger self. I reckon to as you get a bit older, you reprioritize your values. And uh, I certainly prioritize friends and family and um, appreciate and enjoy them a lot more. And with that comes a shift in how I think about Valentine's Day. But finally, I wonder if a shift in my view about Valentine's Day is also to do with the fact that when you find someone that you really, truly adore and want to celebrate, you are happy to shout it from the rooftops with a fucking megaphone. I can't tell you how many meetings I have derailed in the last few weeks talking about how amazing Nellie's podcast is and how amazing Nellie is and how great it is that she can share her wisdom with the world via the interwebs. All right, Florence, so I think that's enough fun facts about Valentine's Day, but I think the listeners would be very interested to know, even though you've never been on a date before, you're an interesting, thoughtful person, and I would like to know um, what would be your top tips for dating and what do you think would be some good date ideas that aren't too expensive? Personally, I would like to go to, like, Comic-Con or something or, like, skydiving's fun Um, or, like a LARP event which is live action role play or like a Pokemon convention but the probably usual thing is like maybe a picnic or like a fancy restaurant or you could go to the beach with McDonald's. Very nice I reckon there'd be plenty of people listening who wouldn't mind going to the beach with McDonald's and if you were to think about three green flags and three red flags when you meet people, would you share your wisdom with us? Um, red flags, <laughs> if they don't like animals or babies um, and if they brush their teeth before they eat breakfast. 
<laughs> All right. What about green flags? What would you be looking for? What are things where you go, oh, that's a good sign? They're prepared to cuddle with you and watch movies. They don't interrupt. And if they do, they say sorry. Um, and they're prepared to talk about what you like and do things that you like. But yeah. <laughs> well, I've got to tell you, I love you. Love you too. Okay, so next up we have an excerpt from the first bonus episode. It was recorded in January 2023 and it was all about how to have the talk based on my experience working and writing in the area of sex education for young people. Enjoy. All right, let's get into it. So the talk, right? Um, What we're going to be talking about in this bonus episode is how to talk to kids Now, they could be your kids, they could be just kids in your life about sex, relationships and all the related stuff. The first thing I want to say to you is breathe, all right? Often when you raise this kind of subject, um, adults, particularly people of our generation, if you're of a similar vintage to me, get very, very tense. I want to reassure you, you can do it. All right, you can do this. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the information. You don't have to know exactly what to say in every moment. Um, You just need to give it a go. The harder thing is avoiding it. Like most things in life, right? Like most things where we know a conversation needs to be had. If we squash it down and we avoid it, it is going to be harder for you in the long run and it is certainly going to be harder for them. Now, one thing you're going to need to get comfortable with yourself Um, and I think this is something relatively new for our generation, is that you're going to need to be comfortable with the idea of diverse sexuality and gender. All right, even for the most progressive parents of our generation and carers and aunties and all of those, you know, adults, special adults in kids' lives, um, I think we're still quite uncomfortable with the idea of gender and sexuality being a continuum. It's not even just gay, straight and bisexual now, right? We're going to have to be getting on board with words like pansexual, asexual, intersex, queer, LGBTIQA+, um, a whole range of words. And look, keep it simple. If you don't know what those words mean, ask or find a reputable source and investigate them. Do not dismiss them would be my advice. In the way that we were dismissed, if we tried to ask about various sexual things for our generation, um, for example, if any of us, I don't know about you, but if we'd asked about masturbation, for example, that would have been shut down ASAP. Okay, let's not do the same thing to this generation of kids with things like diverse sexuality. All right, reasons to have this talk. And really, when I say the talk, it's a series of conversations. We'll get into that. I'm not trying to scare you, right? But you need the information. The average age of onset of sexual activity in Australia is about 16 years old. Um, One of the remarkable things that you find when you work in this space, and any teacher or sex educator will tell you this, It's like every parent thinks it's someone else's kid. I'm not saying your kid is sexually active. They may or may not be. There's plenty of young people who are not sexually active, but there's a shitload who are and their parents don't know. So uh, Latrobe Uni study, and I'll put the um, link in the show notes to this because it's the most reputable study, I would say, on the sexual behaviour of young people in Australia. Just under half of year 10 to 12s have had sex. On the other flip side, that means half haven't. So the idea that all 
um, high school students and all young people are sexually active is also bullshit. And I think that's an important part of the conversation, particularly when you start talking about peer pressure. Not everyone is doing it. Um, but we can't stick our head into the, in the sand and just assume that young people are not sexually active. The other good news is that sex is fun. Right? And this is a really important part of this conversation that, again, we never had. Like, we really need to bring sex positivity into these conversations. Certainly when I grew up, if we had any sex education at school at all, it was sort of like, you'll have sex, you'll get pregnant, then you'll die. You know, it was the Grim Reaper era. Um, there was the, the um, fear, the terrible, terrible fear of HIV AIDS. Um, there was no discussion about sex um, being connected to intimacy or physical pleasure or emotional closeness or any of the things. I mean, there's a reason people are fucking all the time, right? Because sex is actually fun most of the time. Your two main jobs are to ask questions and then to listen to the answer. Okay, so let's say I'll try and give you some examples. Let's say um, you've got a young kid in your life who comes to you and says, what is sex? Now, first of all, you're going to start sweating, right? And then your heart's going to start racing and you're going to try and think of the perfect answer. I think when in doubt, and that's going to be 99% of the time, ask a question. So my response to that would be, what do you think sex is? Now, this gives you two opportunities. One, it gives you the opportunity to get your shit together, right? And actually calm down and answer the question like appropriately and calmly. But it also gives you the opportunity to get a sense of where they're at, Now, another one that all of us will be familiar with if you've got little kids in your life and they've got access to YouTube and TikTok and bloody whatever else, maybe they come to you and go, oh, you know, mum or whoever you are, um, I saw a penis on YouTube or I heard about a condom or whatever. Again, rather than going, what are you doing watching YouTube? You shouldn't have seen that. What was the site? I want to, now I want to see your search history. You do that, they're never coming to you again. My advice would be to go, hey, what did you see? Tell me exactly what you saw. Maybe then say, how'd you feel when you saw that? Do you think, did you think it was okay for you to see that? Do you think they should be putting that on YouTube? Um, Do you think that TikToker should have done that? Do you think blah, 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 blah. And really big one. Thank you for telling me. Even if you've heard something that freaks you the fuck out and that's going to happen as a parent or carer or auntie or uncle or special person, Some of this shit's going to freak you out. I've been freaked out and I've been working in this area for for a long, long time. I've been freaked out from my own kids. But please say to them, thank you for telling me. I'm so pleased that you told me. I want you to tell me if you see that again. Okay, and here's some excerpts from the bonus episode recorded in February 2023. For this episode, I dedicated it entirely to your letters and your calls and your queries and your questions. Um, And I've just pulled out a couple of highlights. Just a reminder that again, if you want to listen to full episodes of any of the um, bonus episodes, you will need to subscribe to uh, Dear Nelly Plus. And there's links to that on my website and also in the show notes. Thanks, everyone. Okay, on that note... We have another letter here. Oh, you can feel the frustration. Oh, Nelly, can you please tell me about this fucking annoying habit of men just deleting the conversation when I try to push things past the dating texts? I just suggest we exchange numbers so we can chat and then whammo, they're gone. Fucking cowards. It's a brutal game. What happened to respect and morals? Honestly, don't get me started. 
oh girl, look, (laughs) I mean, you're not alone. Like I hear this a lot and I totally get your frustration. And I think this is one of the reasons that a lot of people don't like online dating because there is an exhaustion that can come with the churn. Um, And I certainly experienced that a little bit um, in that sense that you think something's going somewhere and then all of a sudden it doesn't go anywhere. I reckon, look, you're right to be frustrated by it. And I think sometimes it can be a brutal game and sometimes it can be disrespectful. But I also wonder if on some level your expectations may be too high in the sense that we know there are plenty of people on dating apps who have no intention of dating. They just like the game. They just like the chase. They just like the chat. Is that annoying? Fucking oath, it's annoying. But I think if you go in knowing that and managing your expectations, then you're probably going to get less frustrated. What can we do about it? I'm not sure that there's much we can do about it. I mean, other than reframing it and kind of going, if they're really not interested in dating, if they're not interested in something um, in real life, it's better to find that out early. Um, I do think a similar situation could happen if you met a bloke at a party or at a pub or anywhere else like they might chat to you for a while and then just quietly exit to the toilet you know but because the churn is so high in online dating it can feel like you're constantly getting ghosted so there's not many situations certainly not in a relationship context I would never say lower your expectations but I think in terms of online dating you really do have to manage your expectations Let's say you're sitting on a date, a classic sign that you're with someone problematic or with a narcissist is that over the course of the date, your sphincter starts tightening, right? You start to feel uncomfortable. Your waters are stirring. Something doesn't feel right. Trust it. Even if you don't know why you're uncomfortable, that may come become clear over time. But if you're starting to feel like that, just get out of there. Um, trust that instinct and don't let the razzle dazzle, which is what a narcissist will normally bring. Don't let their stunning personality or their anecdotes or their beautiful flowers or their gestures or whatever, which trust me, are going to stop at some point. Don't let that blind you to what your own body's trying to tell you. I've been married for 12 years to my husband. We've been together for 16 years. I'm 41. We have two kids um, who are pretty young, nine and 10. My husband is a wonderful, loyal man, and I couldn't ask for a better father to my children. The problem is I just don't think I love him romantically anymore. We're just great friends who raise kids together. Is that what marriage is? And I just have to deal with it. I mean, it could be worse, right? He's totally happy with our marriage. I've asked him many times. However, I'm constantly conflicted about whether I'm settling and if I should leave and find romance again. I fantasize about having my own place and even look up real estate to see how much it would cost me. I'm financially independent, so I'm not stuck in my situation. But I also don't want to hurt my husband because he's truly a wonderful man and I do want him in my life, just not as a romantic partner. I'm obviously also worried about if I'm just being selfish and that splitting my family will hurt my kids for a seemingly trivial reason. Help! Should I just suck it up 
Is this marriage? Can't wait for any advice you can give me. Gemma. P.S. My name isn't Gemma, but let's pretend it is so you can read it out on the podcast. I appreciate that, Gemma. Oh, okay. Well, this is the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, I'm Gemma, I reckon you've heard me talk about the fact that it can be really, really hard to leave someone good. You know, I mean, I've heard, even though it sounds ridiculous, I've heard multiple friends say in their situations that are similar to yours, and I've experienced this as well, that, oh, I wish, you know, I wish he'd cheated or I wish she had, you know, run off or I wish, I don't know, I wish there'd been an event so that when people ask me, I can say this happened and this why ended. Of course, those explanations are never really true anyway, right? There's always more to the story than that. I think my the first thing I would say to you, Gemma, is that not being in love with someone is not a trivial reason to want to leave. You are always allowed to leave, even if you are married to a lovely, lovely person who you don't want to hurt. And having fallen out of love with him is not trivial, like it's really significant. I really start from the premise that you are entitled um, to happiness and love. And on some level, he must feel that you're not in love with him anymore. And he's entitled to happiness and love. So while if you do decide to leave your marriage, you've said he's totally happy with our marriage. I wonder if that's actually true or whether that's what he's telling himself. Um, but if you do decide to leave, A, you're allowed to, B, cannot stay, I think. You cannot stay with someone purely for their sake. You have to have reasons for yourself for staying as well. Um, In terms of the kids, I mean, that's a hard one. There's no denying that separation and divorce are hard on kids. You can't deny that. But I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough is that kids see and understand and feel a lot more than we give them credit for. And if you're not in love with your husband, I reckon on some level, your kids know that or one day they will know that. And I would be asking myself, like, what am I modeling to them? Am I modeling a relationship that is um, functional on one level, but loveless? You know, is that actually what I would want for them? So if one of your kids came to you, they're nine and 10, let's say they're 29 and 30, they come to you and say, well, I'm married. I don't love my wife anymore. I don't love my husband anymore, but I think I should stay. What would you say to them? I get the sense that you're a thoughtful, caring person and that you would say to them that they should leave. That would be my sense. If you would give them that advice, why would you not take that advice for yourself? I think the thing that worries me is that so many women, particularly of our generation, have been taught that the only reason to leave is if you are somehow being neglected, abused, they've cheated, um, there's a big sort of catastrophic event and that you need a justification. I guess what I'm saying to you is you don't need a justification. It is enough to say this relationship isn't serving me anymore. I assume you've tried multiple things. No one leaves a 16 year relationship, you know, on a whim. I'm assuming you've tried lots of things if that's the case. Um, if you're writing to me because you want permission, I guess I'm giving it to you. Only you can know whether you're happy or not, but it doesn't sound to me like you are. So good luck. 
um, and let us know how you go. Okay, so it turns out that I'm one of these people that leave too long of messages. There's no surprise there. I have a question for Nelly. Dear Nelly, I have been playing in the Tinder world for the last two years. I live in a very small place, so I was looking for people that are not living in my immediate proximity because I didn't want to recycle partners. And I just wanted to play. I just wanted a bubble of fun. But now I think I am ready for a relationship. But I wonder how long is it too long to be on Tinder when there's a very small pool of people? I mostly see the same people, so I know they see me all the time. Do I have an expiry date? Thank you. Looking forward to hearing your reply. Oh, well, I mean, I love your honesty and your frankness. Um, and thank you so much for your call. I don't think you have an expiry date at all. I mean, I know the phenomenon you're talking about. I know when I was online dating, you would see, you know, certain people sort of recycle through and they'd get matched with you again. Cause I, I don't know about you, but I'd get overwhelmed to let the app or apps and then, you know, go back on them. And you're like, Oh shit, I've been matched with all the same people and they're back you know what? So what? That was happening with me as well. Like it could be that they were dating someone and then it didn't work out and they're back on, or maybe they've decided they want something different, or I just don't think it matters as much as you might think it matters. Um, I mean, they're on the app too, right? Like <laughs> You're both on the app, especially if you live in a smallish town or a small city then you are inevitably, like if you're in a small community, you know, I was dating women in Melbourne. That's a pretty small community of queer women in Melbourne. You are going to inevitably be matched with the same people again or see them again. And you know what? That's okay. I would definitely, it sounds like you've already done this, but I would definitely encourage you to consider dating outside your town. Um, even if you're looking for a relationship, you know, if you listen to my podcast, I'm a big fan of the permanent part-time where you can have commitment, but you can still have distance and independence and you can do your own thing. If you hook up with someone or you end up dating someone who lives in another town, I mean, you probably don't want them to be in another country necessarily, but if they're within a few hours drive, then what's to say you couldn't spend a weekend together once a month, or you couldn't see each other every weekend, or, you know, it depends on your particular circumstances. But the short answer is, I mean, good on you. Like you're putting yourself out there. Um, if anyone's judging you for being recycled on the apps, like they can fuck off. I mean, I'm proud of you and uh, let us know how you go. I have a little bit of a meme um, that I found. I can't attribute it because there's no attribution for it. It's just been circulating. This one's about Christmas, but let's make it about Valentine's Day. And it says, all I want for Christmas is you. Just kidding. I want 14 hours of sleep and then a buffet breakfast. And if a middle-aged person didn't write that, I don't know who did. What are we all looking for? The holy grail of a good night's sleep and a bloody hearty meal. I really appreciate it. Um, Some tips for Valentine's Day. Look, I don't reckon it does have to be about money. Like always when we're talking about dating, it's about thought, it's about gesture, it's about effort. I would be just as happy with a beautiful bunch of flowers, I would be just as happy with, I don't know, a picnic, honestly, or someone thinking about 
some kind of date that I would really like. Like, let's say I live in Melbourne, maybe you go and walk around the NGV, which um, is free, depending on the bits that you go in. Basically, I think if someone's listening to what your interests are and then planning a date based on those interests, whether it costs money or not, then that's a really lovely romantic thing to do. Anyway, whatever you're doing for Valentine's Day, if you're on your own and it's something that worries you or it's something that you feel sad about, I reckon buy yourself something. If in doubt, treat yourself. Hey, so there you go. Just a little extra special bonus episode for all of you. Obviously, it's not as long as our normal episodes, just a little drop in to say happy Valentine's Day or happy Galentine's Day if you celebrated that yesterday on the 13th. Um, You've heard some snippets there from the two paid, you know, behind paywall episodes. If you are interested in those, as I said, you can subscribe at Dear Nelly Plus for five bucks a month. And there's links in the show notes. All right. Hope you're all well. I'll see you for the proper episode very soon. And Jesus, (laughs) (laughs) are we we keeping that in? Maybe. (laughs) That's funny. Dear Nelly. I could use some advice, dear Nelly. Yeah, some help would be nice, dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly. When you're 40 or more, dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we can talk it through. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Dear Nelly. Now, don't be shy. I would love to hear your questions and comments. To send me a recording or an email, go to nellythomas.com and follow the links. It's super easy. And you might hear me talk about your question in a future episode. Huge thanks to producer Sam Peterson from the Producer Boy Creative Production team and to producer Faye Younger, who in addition to being an excellent human, is also a brilliant real estate buyer's advocate and can be found at youngerhill.com. Thanks to ACAST and all the team. And lastly, to you. Without the listeners, I'm just a middle-aged mole talking shit to no one. Please rate, review and consider subscribing for five bucks a month for a bonus episode and to help me keep the lights on. And tell your bloody mates, would you? I'd really appreciate it. Love yous.